Podcast, the podcast that's bringing a voice to the growing number of millennial pagans in our brand of witchcraft, magic, and worship. We're your hosts, Autumn Wolf and Jarrah Stone. And in uh, studio with us today, we have our Jarrett. Hello. Hello. Woo. Welcome to the show. Why, thank you for having me. Yeah. So uh, I know it's the, we're, we're almost at Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how has your week, uh, week or two weeks since uh, Pagan Pride? I saw fantastic pieces in Where to Find Them, The Crimes of Grim, Grin, Grindelwald. Grindelwald, and we were just chitter-chattering about that and how much we love Nefflers. Um, so yes. that's about me. What about you? Oh, I've been working Mm-mm. and meditating and, and working mostly. <laughs> that Yeah. At least yeah. you're doing the meditating part. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of keeping me stable. I've had a lot of like weird spiritual stuff going mm-hmm. on in addition to like weird work stuff going on. So it's it's all just been weird. It's all been weird. So just trying to stay afloat. Mm-hmm. I understand that one. Yeah. I, w- I went on vacation. I know. Yeah. I nice. went to uh, went to California, hung out in L.A. for, for a day. Um, went to Universal Studios and got in touch with my inner wizard over there at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Yeah, there's a lot of Harry Potter stuff going on for us. I know, right? (laughs) Um, then also went to Knott's Berry Farm, had some fun there. Uh, then went whale watching. Didn't see any whales though. Well, that's a shame. No, but I saw a bunch of sea lions and a huge pot of dolphins. Like there was like seriously on the surface, you could see about a hundred of them. Wow! And under uh, under the surface, there was at least three hundred more. Wow! And the uh, the guy he was actually that that was piloting the 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 ship went around a couple of times, and you could actually see the dolphins surfing the waves that were coming <laughs> oh, off the boat. Oh, that's awesome! It was it was beautiful, and it it really like like you're out in the middle of nowhere, you can barely see the shoreline, and you can only see the curvature of the earth on the other side and it was just i mean i still had cell service so i did like a little bit of a live video (laughs) but it was honestly surreal because it's not something that i've actually done and it kind of helped me get a little bit more in tune with nature and i mean i know i'm 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 an air sign but the water and the air out Mm -hmm. there was just so magical Mm -hmm. and just really quick, just because it is something that's been going on since I've been in California. Uh, any of our California listeners, please, please, please be careful out there. Mm-hmm. Um, the wildfires have taken a huge toll. Um, but if you guys are in an area that that is around the wildfires, please take caution, especially when breathing mm-hmm. this smoke that has been just billowing off of this wildfire it's toxic mm-hmm. it's, it's hit a, a whole town completely destroyed yeah. so it has all those tox toxic chemicals in it already and yeah so just just be safe um if you guys can get out get out um if you can't just take precautions and please please let your friends and family know that you're okay and consider if you do get out, take your pets with you. Yes. There's a lot of, um, the ASCPA just posted about like 300 photos of pets that were rescued from campfire to um, try and find their owners. And just some of them, their owners have been found. Some of them, they haven't been. Some of them might just be wild animals that just survived their mm-hmm. cats and dogs. So Yeah, it's de- definitely surreal. And we're, we're sending our positive vibes and everything we can to 
to the survivors and those that are out there um, Mm -hmm. that we haven't heard from yet. That's true. Yeah. So, but on a, uh, on a better note. Yes. Yes. Uh, So, of course, when we bring somebody new in to talk with us here on the show, we love to hear your coming of witch story, kind of yeah. how how it all started for you. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> uh, my coming of witch story. So, I, th- um, in some ways, I think it's a lot like other people's in that mm-hmm. I was raised Lutheran, which is to say, fairly conservative, evangelical, Protestant, Christian. Um, but also starts kind of unlike other people's and that I was not really like a daydreamy child. I didn't have imaginary friends. I didn't like, you know, talk to ghosts or have past life memories or anything, which mm-hmm. a lot of people seem to. Uh, I was just a really uncool nerd who liked reading books and like being outside and trying to figure out how to make bread out of grass seed. That was one of my like fond childhood memories, actually. (laughs) I've done that at least once or twice. I can relate to that one. (laughs) Which kind of I like to think kind of foreshadows the kinds of like nature oriented spirit work that I've gotten into really Mm -hmm. only in the last couple of years. But anyway, yeah, so I was raised Lutheran, and I really squished down any sort of um, uh, affinity I had towards, towards like, nature as its own entity as anything mm-hmm. that wasn't just, like, a mechanistic, you know, watch created by the divine watchmaker that is God. Um, because I became very devout um, mm-hmm. in my early teens, I, like I said, despite the fact that I was Protestant, I cons- and I truly believed that that was what was objectively true. I considered converting to Catholicism so that I could become a nun. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's that's kind of going from one extreme to the next. I oh. know, right? Yeah. No. So I've always, I've always had a like a devotional, pious bent. I think, which, which again is something that isn't necessarily common among lots of millennial pagan witchy types, which is one of the mm-hmm. reasons I wanted, you know, to come and talk to you guys, because I Yay. think it's like kind of a perspective that's not necessarily as common among, we, yeah. you know, yeah. like people who have more exposure to say Wicca than to polytheism, which is where my path ended up. So, right. yeah. So I, um, and then I guess after several years of being extremely an extremely devout Christian because I cannot do anything by halves. I became an atheist pretty much over the course of a few months. I decided that like the notion of a God or spirit wasn't necessary to explain the world. So I was very philosophically materialist in the sense that I didn't think that there was any spirit or gods or or any soul or anything of that sort um to the point that i was actually like the um secretary and then the president of one of the atheist clubs at the college i went to so Mm -hmm. i guess just like again i can't do anything by halves (laughs) was there like a defining moment that made you um come to that realization um the realization that i didn't think that they're like that Christianity was wrong basically Mm -hmm. that um well it was more of a a gradual I say gradual but a a shift over time over a couple months it wasn't any particular experience it wasn't like I prayed and then suddenly no one was listening because my first um like psychic or um like spiritual experiences Mm -hmm. were in Christianity and those like 
so I had had that kind of mm-hmm. evidence, I guess, that, that something was there, that I had kind of peeked behind the metaphorical curtain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I learned about science and evolution and biology and astronomy and all sorts of things that I hadn't learned at the Christian schools that I went to as a child, mm-hmm. I like that really affected my thinking. Up, yeah, yeah, it affected my thinking and like what I thought, whether I thought the idea of a god was necessary mm-hmm. to explain the world. Um, and then after a while, I kind of started to decide, okay, maybe it doesn't matter if we n- need or don't need a god to explain the world. Like, like the explanatory function of, of spirit is not really necessarily the primary driver for mm-hmm. a lot of people. It was for me because I was right. kind of a skeptical type, but... Um, uh, but yeah, so the, the shift out of that, out of that really like uh, Christopher Hitchens style atheism, which I'm kind of ashamed of in retrospect, but Aww. whatever. Part of the past. <laughs> Part of it the is. past. It worked. I try to tell myself it got me where I am. So it, yeah. it's, it's, it's been okay. But yeah, anyway, the, the thing that got me out of that really was the fact that I'd always had an, like, at least an academic fascination with religion and religious studies and the notion of divinity and the way that people perceive mm-hmm. the world around them and how they right. interact with the world around them, right? So um, I, I many nights, probably I was, like, staying up late on Tumblr, except instead of, like, reblogging stuff about, like, Harry Potter or, like, Marvel movies or whatever, I was, like, reading all this stuff that, like, modern like polytheists had written and that witches had written about their experiences. And I was just so Mm -hmm. fascinated by it. And um, I made a friend or two whom I eventually came to trust to tell me that, or to, excuse me. um, I eventually came to trust that they were telling me the truth about their experiences Mm -hmm. as they, as they experienced it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I started to wonder, okay, maybe we do need something outside of the realm of scientific materialism to explain what's going on here. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, um, like I said, I have have an academic interest in addition to a personal interest in, in all things spiritual and religious. So I was taking an anthropology course um, in college that focused on like the notions of, of magic and religion mm-hmm. and how that relates to to our concepts of modernity and like post enlightenment thinking. Um, and we were reading this book. Um, it was called Witching Culture by Sabrina Malioko, which I've actually seen referenced multiple times. Like since yep. I've gotten more into like you know, like the pagan movement. Um, Is that a blue textbook or like yellowy red? Gosh, the one, the copy that I had, um, oh gosh, it was, it had like a, it had like a photo on the front. It wasn't like a textbook. It was Mm -hmm. like an academic like work written from, um, it was a, gosh, I I guess you could, I think she's an anthropologist, a professor at at some university. She, her, essentially her field work, instead of, you know, like going into the Amazon or the rainforest to like talk to the tribe. It has a section on humor, doesn't it? It does. Okay, I have The section on humor is is really, (laughs) is good. It's good. I loved that book. Yeah. Yeah. But essentially, yeah, yeah, her, um, her, her field work was mm-hmm. she was, I think, initiated into a Gardnerian coven. Yeah. And so she was having like all of these direct experiences in addition to, you know, looking at 
um, like the pagan um, movement from like a more like quote unquote like objective quote unquote anthropologist viewpoint. Um, yeah, it was a, a firsthand anthropological yeah. study. Yeah, and so that was mm-hmm. absolutely fascinating to me. And um, so kind of after that, I decided, okay, f- fuck it, I wanted try this firsthand too like I want to try it like I want to do something so she had fun I want to have fun (laughs) exactly (laughs) I was like that's so cool why can't I do this um yeah so I didn't have any like group or anything to Mm -hmm. be like hey wink wink nudge nudge can I like learn things from you I was really just like reading voraciously Mm -hmm. and I you know cast some spells and studied tarot and I read about gods and mythology and tried to started to kind of reinterpret weird experiences that it had in the past in light of the notion that like spirits exist and gods exist and maybe like the non-corporeal non-physical thing that is intention has a noticeable measurable effect on our surroundings mm-hmm. um so after a while, I decided, okay, I want to start actually praying to gods and talking to gods. So I, you know, did all of my reading, like I said, about mythology and and ancient cultures and stuff like that. And for some reason, Hathor really stuck out to me as someone that I thought would be interesting to interact with. And, you know, for a long time, like, what would be interesting was my driving motivation <laughs> for and a who, while. Who is Hathor? Hathor is an ancient Egyptian goddess. Um, I will say that, um, I mean, you guys can see me sitting here. I'm a white girl. I'm a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Mm -hmm. So there is kind of like, there would definitely be some people who would say like, okay, you as like a waspy white girl probably shouldn't be worshiping African gods. But, and I mean, that's, it's, that's a whole yeah, that's a whole that other episode. Get into. Yeah, that's but a I completely feel... <laughs> different podcast. Yeah, but I feel like I should offer that disclaimer in case that's like something any of the listeners would, you know, be concerned about. Um, but I, I love her to pieces. She's, um, I, I truly believe that she started to kind of like keep an eye on me a long time before I started to actually talk to her specifically. Um, I, the first time I set out offerings for her, I read a prayer that was translated from the wall of a temple um, that I had found online. And I read this prayer because I thought it was, I thought it was beautiful. And I'd set out um, popcorn and Nutella. I specifically remember (laughs) because I was like, okay, popcorn's what I have. Popcorn's what I like. And a lot of like UPG unverified personal notes, personal gnosis about the Egyptian gods is they like chocolate. I don't know Mm -hmm. why, but they like chocolate, even though that's not, you know, historically attested. So I was like, okay, popcorn, chocolate, that works. Um, And she showed up. She showed up. She... I'm just, like, kind of getting chills talking about it. <laughs> I can see. That's just <laughs> And, like, the way, I've, the way I've described it in the past is she was like, hey, hey, girl, what's up? Like, let's talk. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. Like, conversations uh, over Nutella. Uh, exactly. I was like, 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 it was a, hey, you finally called to me. Kind of, yeah. You found my number. Yeah. <laughs> I gave it to you years ago. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, like, I didn't really know what to do with that because I think like I mean that's something I hear other people talk about is like on some level you don't really expect anything to happen and then mm-hmm. something happens and then you have to figure out what to do with it yeah and I'm, I mean I'm still figuring out what to do with it I've kind of you know carved a niche um which I guess I'll talk about in a bit um but 
at the time, I just, you know, continued to periodically make offerings and pray and mm-hmm. sing um, because she is she's a, go- a goddess associated with music and dance and, and all sorts of wonderful, happy things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess to get back to the question that you asked that I didn't totally finish answering, who is she? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. She's yeah, she's a she's a goddess associated with, with music and dance and. Um, she, one of her epithets is, is goddess of lady of drunkenness, um, (laughs) which on one hand, like I don't drink a whole lot. So it's like, okay, how do you, how do you tap into this? But I guess a way to, another way to think of that is of, of like divine ecstasy Mm -hmm. and, um, kind of that, that almost mindless blind ecstasy of just being enveloped by joy and togetherness and, mm-hmm. and friendship and love. Um, and people people call her a goddess of love. People call her a goddess of dance. I personally tend to steer away towards language like goddess of this, goddess of that, because right. there are so many more facets to these, to these, these entities than you can really understand if you <laughs> pigeonhole them into mm-hmm. goddess of this or goddess of that. After I, I started to get to know Hathor specifically, I started reaching out to to other gods and goddesses in the Egyptian pantheon because honestly, it seemed like the polite thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like, if if I if I love this goddess and and I did very quickly, I, I started to love her very quickly. Um, it seemed like the polite thing to do to start talking to to her family and friends, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of stay stay within the the pantheon. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and so I started to to sing praises to to other gods. Started to offer things to other gods, and eventually I decided, okay, I would like to see if there are other people that I can connect with in my area doing similar kinds of things. Um, there are some. There are mm-hmm. some. Um, the primary community that I found, though, was an, um, an online temple, uh, Kemetic Orthodox House of Nature, if anyone's curious. Um, so, um, yeah, so uh, Jarrett introduced me by, uh, by the name of Jarrett, which is my name in that tradition. Um, that's actually the short version. The long version is longer and harder to pronounce. So, Jarrett <laughs> um, Hatert, which means Hatert, uh, Hathor, is generous. Hathor is generous. So that's, you know, mm-hmm. um, something that, that, that message, that name that comes directly from the goddess, I believe. It comes directly from her, from my, my divine mother. Um, that's kind of a guiding force in the way I've related to, to my temple community um, mm-hmm. and to, to her, to Hathor, and to the other gods that she's associated with and to the other Egyptian gods that I, that I work with and that I honor on a regular basis. Whew. So <laughs> I, I feel like I'm just talking. Talking, no, talking. you're, you're giving good. us a lot of Hopefully good that's stuff. Okay, it is. Okay, that's what a podcast is: is just yeah, talking, just talking, and talking. <laughs> okay, yeah. So while I am, I, I'm still a member of that of that temple, and mm-hmm. I still partake in ritual at a distance with you know the priests online and the members. And yeah, yeah, online yeah. stuff mm-hmm. with the members of this temple, and we've got online forums and stuff, and it's a nice way to keep in touch with people honoring the same gods in similar ways, which is mm-hmm. which is really nice when you're like able to. Or rather, like when you're like Christian passing, I guess, when mm-hmm. people just kind of assume that you like fit into the default religious mm-hmm. boxes mm-hmm. that like 
your extremely conservative Christian boss assigns you, hey, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she just, you know, people just kind of assume. So it's it's nice to like feel less invisible mm-hmm. with your like you know deeply influential, deeply profound relationships to gods that many people just don't think right. exist. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. So while my work is, I say work, um, I practice my religious fun stuff is a mix of, of group stuff and solitary stuff. A lot of it is solitary stuff mm-hmm. because there are only so many of us um, doing the sorts of things that I do. So yeah, my, my solitary practice has kind of unfolded further away from working just with gods and just honoring gods and starting to develop a better relationship with my ancestors and Mm -hmm. with the spirits of the land that I live in and the house that I live in and and all of the places that I go that I interact interact with so so yeah that's my coming of witch story I don't usually use the word witch to describe it because it's um Like, magic isn't really actually, like, working Mm -hmm. magic isn't really at the center of of what I do spiritually anymore. So Mm -hmm. calling it witchcraft seems to potentially, you know, miscommunicate the kinds of things that are important to me. Right. But, I mean, I do witchy stuff. I hang out with witches. I go to reclaiming sabbats and Mm -hmm. stuff. So, yeah. So the sabbats that you do with um, your community that worships ancient Egyptian gods, are they different from what, like, you would call the pagan wheel of the year? Yes. Yes. So they're not sabbats at all, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, the So, I mean, as I'm sure well, you guys definitely know, and most of your lovely listeners probably know, the, the notion of the wheel of, year, the wheel of the year comes from Northern Europe. It comes right. from the Celts. It comes from, you know, the Franks and the Gauls and all those lovely folks. But the, the Kemetic, or which is to say ancient Egyptian, mm-hmm. um, because the, one of the words for ancient Egypt in, like, the middle egyptian language so kind of like the middle of the empire that we mm-hmm. think of as ancient egypt um their word for that their land was kemet so a lot of egyptian pagan types we call ourselves kemetic polytheists or kemetic pagans and that's mm-hmm. okay. kind of just acknowledging that you know the word egypt is a word that was put onto that land and onto those people to describe them but mm-hmm. put onto them by outsiders who aren't necessarily trying to appreciate and understand the culture and the religion and the spirituality and the gods as they are. So we tend to use the word Kemetic to describe ourselves Mm -hmm. and what we do. So, yeah. So, yeah, the Kemetic calendar slash calendars, because there are several, there's not just one, there are lots, Mm -hmm. um, have nothing to do with uh, the the Celtic or Wiccan style Wheel of the Year. Right. the Kemetic calendar specifically is based largely on the annual uh, flooding and receding of the Nile River, which doesn't necessarily have anything to do with anywhere else in the world. I right. can relate to it to some degree because we live in a desert here mm-hmm. in Arizona. <laughs> so um, a lot of the the, the Kemetic cal- ancient Kemetic calendars actually do kind of match up fairly well um, and with, with the... Um, the seasonal cycles here, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, the, uh, the the calendar actually isn't extremely important to me and to my practice um, with the Egyptian gods because I prefer to kind of sync up myself and my practice and my work with the cycles and nature that are around me. So mm-hmm. less of a prescriptive 
cyclical calendar and more of an um, observational, experiential relationship with the the gods and, mm-hmm. and the land. Mm. But I do know a lot of comedic practitioners who do follow the ritual calendars of, of ancient Egypt, which are, some of them are based um, astronomically, some of them are based, or astrologically, I guess you could say, either or. Um, some of them are based, like I said, around the, the cycle of the Nile. But there are, there are holy days, there are major festivals um, associated with particular gods. All of my favorite festivals are, are in the summer because um, my, my lady mother, Hathor, um, she's a, a solar goddess mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. She's an eye of Ra, an eye of the sun god. Um, so all, and she's married to another sun god, um, mythologically, or several sun gods mythologically, depending <laughs> on how you want to think about mythology. But um, so all of her festivals are very solar and are really mm-hmm. in the hot, dry part of the year. So, okay. um, so yeah. Um, does that answer your question? Yes, I think it so. does. I think it does. Yeah. So do you have a specific daily practice that you do? or? Uh, yes, I do have a specific daily practice that is kind of derived from um, the rituals that we do in Kemetic Orthodoxy, which, like I said, is the online temple that I'm a part of. Mm-hmm. I don't do the full-out ritual that is um, recommended to do every day because, oh, it doesn't really jive with... Um, my life and <laughs> the limitations that I have at the moment. But yeah, I, I have a shrine. Um, mm-hmm. It's in my bedroom, which isn't the best place for a shrine because it's a very personal space. But, you know, I, you know we do what we can in the right. modern era right. when we don't have like a shrine shelf in the living room um, mm-hmm. that we can pray at because other people that we live with are doing things like making noise with pots and pans and playing video games and doing all sorts of loud things that aren't really conducive to, to prayer. Right. But yeah, so I have shrines with my, my primary deities, um, some symbols for um, the collective of the Egyptian gods whom I honor collectively in addition to worshiping and honoring the specific gods that I do regular work with. But um, the the daily regular shrine work that I do mostly involve saying specific formulaic prayers that I find comforting in their repetitiveness. Um, And it involves pouring out water as a libation to the gods and goddesses. And it involves burning incense and lighting a shrine lamp, uh, which in my case isn't a lamp that I can light with fire because I live in an apartment and that's not Mm -hmm. allowed. So again, like we have to make adjustments from these practices mm-hmm. that were derived in ancient times um we have to make adjustments for the kinds of situations that we're in right so um my practice is largely focused around honoring the gods and providing the kind of offertory um the kinds of the kinds of offerings that they historically requested and i believe the kinds of offerings that allow them to kind of have more of a foothold in our physical world mm-hmm. in the comedic worldview and this is true for most like comedic polytheist reconstructionist folks like myself we regard offerings as um as as part of a reciprocal relationship between mm-hmm. us and the gods so we will pour out a glass of water or we will set down a plate of bread or a glass of beer, all of which are really common, frequently, historically attested kinds of offerings. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll say something along the lines of, like, I give this to 
the gods or to whichever god. I hope that you you take it and you eat of it. I hope something that I say is like, may this refresh you, may this restore you in your fight to, and in your efforts to bring Mott, which is the essentially primary ethical organizational principle, uh, to restore Mott in the structure of the universe. That's mm-hmm. that's something that I say, and to to acknowledge the place that this relationship between me as a human and them as a god and this offering has in that larger cosmological structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, th- I, I believe that that connection is important, mostly for me as a practitioner understanding the meaning of what I'm doing, but also in terms of creating um, a more direct and more uh, lucid connection between me and the gods that I'm, that I'm honoring and that I'm tapping into and connecting to. Okay. Now I know I know you say you don't really do too much of a uh, of a magical practice, mm-hmm. but uh, what you do uh, what you do do with it? Well, what are some of the things that you've you've done? Yeah. So, um, like a lot of internet educated witches in the twenty first century, I've done a lot of like tea magic, kitchen witch kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that actually still has um, a lot to do with my practice. I still do kitchen witchy kind of stuff of. Um, um, in, uh, what's the word, um, in, in no, um, the more that I search for this, the harder it's going to be to find this word, but essentially infusing, infusing, infusing. like the things that I'm cooking or the things that I'm making for other people or for myself with specific intentions. Um, and, uh, that is pr- one of the reasons probably that I still do that is because it that sort of attitude towards magic is kind of reflected in mm-hmm. the, the comedic worldview where uh, hika, uh, which is the kinds of amuletic magic um, framed around using words, using speech, uh, which is regarded as divine, as magical in and of itself, but mm-hmm. of using speech to use the power of uh, part of one's soul, the ka, uh, to create change in the world, to get what you want in the world. So that focusing of intention and using of words as a magical act is something that I definitely still do. Okay. Um, I also do kind of divination kind of stuff. I like tarot, even though it really has nothing to do with my religious practice. Um, mm-hmm. Hathor seems to be open to communicating with me through that when I ask her politely to. <laughs> so that's nice. I use pendulum um, because yes, no type of di- divination is uh, again, commonly attested historically um, in ancient Egypt. So, um, so I use that as a way of communicating with the gods trying when I have a specific question that I need a specific answer to like, is it okay if I, do this thing to your statue um, that I have on my shrine. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Some of the Egyptian gods are really sticklers for ritual purity. Um, mm. So sometimes I have to ask, like, hey, is it okay if I do this thing before touching your shrine? And I use my pendulum to answer yes, no. Um, and trying to use a kind of divination that's similar to mm-hmm. what they would be familiar with that was mm-hmm. something that was historically used to connect with them. So kind of okay. connecting to them on their own terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else that I do that's like magical? I do meditation, trance work. I guess that counts as magic. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to take a very short break and we'll be right back. Yep. Yeah. 
So we are back with Millennial Pagan Podcasts, and we have invited our Jared for an actual specific reason, not yeah. just to chitter chat our way <laughs> through life and such. Um, our Jared is going to talk to us about reconstructing ancient polytheism, developing relationships with gods and our ancestors, and how to recognize that gods are individuals and how to work with them in their own cultural aspects. Yes. So that is a lot. <coughs> Yes, but you're going to be surprised because the conversation that we've had previously made it sound like it's all like one big conglomerating thing, and it's all kind of part of reconstructing a polytheistic um, yeah. practice nice. as a solitary, which, you know, you need a lot of basis when you're doing something by yourself. Yeah. Right. Or you're just doing it all on your own. Yeah, and honestly, like, really any sort of, even group-based, like, mm -hmm. spiritual work, especially, like, spirit work, um, really depends on having a strong solitary practice, I mm -hmm. think. And, I mean, that's not like you can't do stuff. It's not like you can't, you know, talk to gods without having, a, like, a personal devotional practice or anything. But being able to do stuff on your own kind of strengthens those those skills, those, like, mental, psychological, psychic channels to open up to that kind of communication and that kind of energetic movement. So honestly, even people who do have groups that they work with would probably, but I mean, I imagine many, you know, I don't want to be like condescending or presumptuous that people, Oh, they're not doing this, but just kind of want to under underscore that, that, you know, yeah. this is what works for you. Yeah. And it's a structure that might work for mul yeah, multiple people exactly. and things that we're not talking about a lot lately. I feel like are getting missed or not worked yeah. with. Yeah, which you know. is why I'm so excited to be here. Yay! <laughs> All right. Yeah. So um, I've taken to describing what I do on a daily basis as spirit work as mm -hmm. opposed to really any other kind of magical path. Um, and spirit work, um, unlike a lot of other magical paths, spirit work is inherently relational. It's about relating to, to other people. And I, I use the word people loosely because I think it's a really good way of kind of, you know, jarring our brains into remembering that the spirits and gods that we talk to have their own agendas. They have their own priorities. They have their own things that they care about and they may or may not care about us and they might love us. They might see us as like, oh, that cute little thing doing stuff over there. I hope she doesn't get hurt. But it's also like they might just not care at all, um, honestly. Um, but spirit work is about about managing and developing those relationships between us and between other like other humans as well as between um other spirits and humans mm -hmm. and between ourselves and between spirits um honestly it's kind of ironic that this is something that my path has led me down because i was so bad at relating when i was young i was so bad with social skills to the point that i was diagnosed with autism because when i was a teenager because i just did not know how to interact um and i guess i, I say that because mm -hmm. that i i just want to underscore that that it's, this is a skill that can be learned. Um, mm -hmm. And sure, it's easier if you have the brain wiring for it. And I have I have some of the brain wiring for it. I'm mm -hmm. not like I don't do possessory work. I don't have the wiring for that. But um, 
Um, I, 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 can, I can hear stuff. I can feel stuff. Mm-hmm. I have some bit of psychic skill and a lot of it I've, I've learned. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it I've, I've learned so that I can have these relationships with gods and with, with spirits and with the spirits around me. Mm-hmm. So another thing that I want to underscore is that I keep using the word work. Uh, that's pretty common talking about spirit work, deity mm-hmm. work, altar work, shrine work, all of those things falling under the category of spirit work. Um, but it's not always work. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as the um, podcaster slash blogger slash teacher Gordon White has pointed out, like, w- what kind of capitalist society are we in that we use work to describe everything that we do spiritually? Like, what kinds mm-hmm. of, like, post-enlightenment capitalist undertones does it have that we, like, that's the default word that we've come to use when we talk about interacting with spirits. So how do you work with your local tree spirits or whatever. Like you could work with them, you could honor them, you could play with them. I I say I hang out with Hathor, I, I chill with Thoth. Like maybe that's too informal for some people. Like my gods don't seem to mind a lot of that like that describes what I do. I sit in shrine and I talk to them and I ask like, hey, am I kind of getting close towards what you want me to be doing? And they'll Sometimes give me an impression like, yeah, no, spend more time on this thing, spend more time on that thing. But it's really, it's not necessarily work. And for some people it is. For um, mm. Yeah. Uh, for some people it is. Like I was saying, like, spirit work is a large category that encompasses, mm-hmm. like, mysticism, shamanism, like, hedge witching, like, all sorts of things. And for someone who's a shaman, for someone where spirit work is their vocation, yeah, it's going to be work. Um, mm-hmm. Right now I am training under um, a woman who's a shaman in a, like, northern North Germanic tradition. Mm-hmm. She, for her it's work. It, like, she, there's part of it, she does it because she loves it, the way that, like, I work in landscape design because I love it. Um, she loves it, but it's her job. It's it's work. But for a lot of us, what's called spirit work isn't. It's not work. Um, and I, yeah, I just I want to I want to underscore that too because that's uh, that's a, that's an assumption that people make is that it's um, is is that there, there's a job there that there's stuff that you have to do and that's that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the gods have stuff that you have to do. Sometimes you get dragged along for a ride that you don't necessarily want to be on, and that's part of what it means to be truly interfacing and truly interacting with gods mm-hmm. who are bigger and older and stronger than we are. Um, and I think that dulling down these incredibly huge divine gods to mere archetypes or energies that you can summon, that really, A, does them a disservice because mm-hmm. that's limiting the way that, um, limiting the extent to which that they can interact with our world, which, you know, you don't want to do if you have the same priorities as the gods that you're worshiping or working with or honoring or channeling or whatever. Um, but it's really, it's really vital to understand, I think, that, that God's spirits, nature spirits, local spirits, land spirits, they all, they all have their own stuff that they're, that they're doing and that they want to do. And to some degree, like relating to spirits is understanding what kind of reciprocal relationship you can, you can create there or you can cultivate in terms of what do they want from you and what do you want from them? Mm Mm-hmm. I, I like I, I kind of like that imagery of of hanging out with, <laughs> with the gods. Yeah, it's like here. It's like pour pour some mead for for Odin and I. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
cultivating a relationship sometimes it is work yeah. and sometimes mm-hmm. it's hanging out and yeah i mean with any relationship if you're in a relationship with your significant other you should put that much energy into your relationship with a god that you want to do something with definitely and i mean like people say like oh relationships take work and i mean like i'm 23 like i don't necessarily <laughs> feel like I can pontificate about that but like in my experience I've kind of found that to be true like you know you want to be friends you want to be in partnerships with people human or non-human that that you get along with and that's not a lot of work to get along with but sometimes you yeah you have to put effort into it you have to understand what they like you have to understand what they want um and you have to be able to step out of your own head and your own perspectives in order to be able to kind of see things from their perspective um, to understand where they're going and what they're doing. And, you know, putting putting in the work, you know, ahead of time can really have that long-lasting effect to where, like, I, I have I have a friend. I have not actually talked to him or we, we, ha- we, we haven't actually hung out in probably about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know that if we, if we do hang out, it'll be like that time is not even yeah. existent. So I mean I can I can kind of see where yeah putting in the work ahead of time could definitely mm-hmm. have that uh, that significant purpose and that significant draw even to where you might not communicate with with that deity for a little while because something's going on but they'll always be there for you when you need them mm-hmm. right yeah. yeah but at the same time you have to also realize that that's a give and take. Yes. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of people forget that. You turn around and you <laughs> get you 911 a god, they're going to turn around and go, "Okay, well, you know, you 911 to me. I I have something I want you to do." Yeah. In relation. Or they might just be like, "Hell no." Right. Like, mm-hmm. Who are you? Like it's like sure like somebody that I used to know. You know, <laughs> right. like it's like we I used to know you. Like we used to do stuff. Like you used to like give me a glass of beer every now and then, but like wh- I don't know you anything cuz yeah. we haven't talked in a year and a half or two years and you know, if sometimes those relationships are positive and they yeah. can endure that kind of like, you know, the way a friendship can endure that kind of break. But sometimes you have to understand that like no, like no one owes you anything mm-hmm. necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like God's not going to owe you anything unless, you know, you have arranged it, you know, arranged things such that they do. But um but yeah, they're not necessarily like you said. Like if you nine one one them, they're not necessarily gonna be like, sure, yeah, I'll dive in and or they might my attention from might be yeah. yeah, might yeah. be a trickster too, because <laughs> all these e- even if we like look at traditional tricksters, some gods might just not be considered a trickster, but they might have this whole, oh, okay, you want that? Sure. (laughs) You get that. Exactly the way you said it. Um, Or exactly the way you didn't say it. And it's recognizing this consciousness Mm -hmm. that the spirits, gods have a consciousness. If you're going to worship them in a hard polytheistic way that they are an individual. Yeah. Definitely. And honestly, like the notion of even like categorizing them as as tricksters Mm -hmm. or as, you know, as mother goddesses, like even that kind of like, well, that can be helpful to understand, otherwise understand. Mm -hmm. Um, It also can be limiting on our Mm -hmm. understanding of them. And as a consequence of that, limiting on the kinds of effects that they can have in our lives when we ask them to 
make some change for us or like help us out with something right um just because your coworker's a mom doesn't mean that's all that person exactly. is exactly. and it's the same way yeah yeah and yeah, and it's like, well, I can go to my coworker and be like, hey, you have a kid. Can you, like, explain this thing to me or help me out with this thing? And she can say, sure. But, you know, she also has all sorts of other expertise that you can mm-hmm. go to that person for. And biases. Yes. And the same thing. Gods yes. have biases, preferences. Maybe they have a political agenda you're not aware of. Yeah. Um, something that I've been actually been seeing coming up fairly a lot in the you know internet polytheist community is that people talk about like oh the gods would vote this way or the gods would vote that way or the gods have these priorities mm-hmm. but like and as much as like I would love to think that the gods that I that I trust implicitly the gods that I honor and work with as much as I'd love to think that they agree with me on all the issues that I care deeply about like I am under no delusions that they that they do because a lot of times they have bigger priorities higher priorities they might not necessarily be concerned with you know a particular political issue in my particular part of the world when Mm. they're you know dealing with the entire world but also you know the context of other worlds and nether worlds Mm -hmm. and other realms that you know potentially influence earth but don't necessarily have anything to do with us Mm -hmm. and you know the universe is big universes plural are big like there's a there's a lot out there (laughs) and you don't know who cares about what where until you get to know them yes you never know you might be calling up a god to try and have a uh, conversation or a um, relationship with them in our modern time and they might not give two shits about modern world and modern worldly stuff And that's definitely something difficult to grapple with as a polytheist. Mm -hmm. Um, The the idea that, like, I am a fairly pacifistic person. Like, I've never punched anyone in my life, for example. (laughs) Um, I I just say that as, like, I I, I have, like, a personal aversion to violence, like... Mm -hmm. But I understand that, like, my mother goddess is is in some aspects, um, like, a, a goddess of war and of fighting. And I, I'm sure that there are many ways in which I don't understand that because I've mm-hmm. never been in a battle. I've never, you know, like, never had to, had to fight. I've never, never done any of that. So there's a limitation on how well I can understand her. But I've had to to grapple with the the implications of that for who she is and what her priorities are and what kinds of methods she's willing to use to to fulfill her goals right yeah it's interesting it's like how i describe my relationship with odin how i see him it's almost like a life journey um that the gods can take so specifically with like odin him having the war god war king Mm -hmm. kingly and then the the wizardy the educator the adventurer and the wanderer and Mm -hmm. the tricksterish aspects is almost like he's going through the youth to elderly male kind of spectrum Mm -hmm. and i don't uh, so i can't have a common it a relationship with the youth but i have it more with the wise older gentleman so interesting Hmm. Yeah, it just popped in my bragging. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that kind of, that makes sense there. Yeah. And like, this is, this is a common notion within like people who are, who work with gods or honor gods from a polytheist perspective, but might, I guess it might not be familiar mm-hmm. uh, to people who aren't the notion that different gods appear to us in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. So someone who also, or say, 
hmm, let's say I work with Thoth, which mm-hmm. I do. Um, he's one of my faves. He's my bro. Um, <laughs> I have a very informal relationship with him in a way that I don't with other gods, which is an example of the kinds of like variety of um, forms that these yeah. relationships can take. Mm-hmm. But I digress. Um, with him, I generally interact with him as uh, president of the House of Books, as like the battle librarian. Like mm-hmm. he's he's kind of a weird one. He's kind of a mixed bag. Um, I, um, I refer to him as the great baboon because even though people tend to see him as the ibis headed God, which, you know, he is in a lot of representations, he's also a baboon. He just is. Um, and so (laughs) that has its own kind of like weird, playful, solar, um, kind of quality to it that someone who interacts with Thoth merely as, as like the librarian merely as a teacher um they wouldn't necessarily see that Mm -hmm. um kind of in the same way that like i interact differently with you guys than i do with my mom Mm -hmm. than i do Mm -hmm. with my boyfriend and like it's gods are you know even bigger and vaster than we are and humans have within ourselves infinite capability and infinite potential and to not acknowledge that the gods have that and more because Mm -hmm. they're bigger than us they're older than us like that seems almost like foolishly short-sighted from my perspective Mm -hmm. i i I don't know why but like the 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 visual of okay so there's this movie called talladega nights Mm -hmm. and will ferrell's character is praying at dinner to baby jesus not to adult jesus (laughs) so i i kind of yeah i can i kind of see that that's actually kind of interesting how it how the diff- the different aspects of a of a god could be presented in a completely different light than a different than mm-hmm. another aspect of the exact same god. Yeah. And I guess uh, building off of that, if you want to talk to a particular aspect of a particular god or a particular goddess, you generally will probably want to adjust the kinds of like ritual container that you're building for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for example, uh, my teacher, my mentor, is a, a Freya's woman. She is she is owned by Freya. She belongs to Freya, and Freya is on the one hand a goddess associated with sexuality and fertility and love and all that good stuff, but she's also like a warrior and Mm -hmm. a battle goddess and so if you're kind of trying to get more in touch with the like fun sexy fertility energy then maybe you dress up in pinks and purples and golds Mm -hmm. but if you want to get more in touch with Freya's like battle side then maybe you put on some sort of like armor or whether that's you know like historic style metal armor or like your freaking kevlar vest i don't know Mm -hmm. um but there's there's a lot like you can use those different kinds of symbols uh from the modern consciousness but also from the ancient consciousness to connect with gods in different ways and to kind of communicate to them in a sort of nonverbal, uh subconscious way that this is the part of you that i'm interested in and learning from right now or this is the part of you that i I want to to talk to or or request something from and right. you know and like sure they they can they can kind of like help you know put on those faces for us and mm-hmm. um kind of i was gonna say like put on those masks but they're not masks they're just you know facets mm-hmm. of of one great mm-hmm. like of, of of gods as as great 
multifaceted beings. Well, it's the same way with like if we associate it with a person in your real life. If you're going to go to your boss and ask your boss about a raise, you're not going to go like, hey, here's a beer. Hand him a beer and like ask, hey, can I have a raise? Unless you have that kind of relationship with your boss. I'm just picturing doing it that at work and she would just look at me like I was insane. Exactly, but that's the same way when you come to the god and you're like i want um i need some advice about love or i need you to help me with love you need to like do it in that appropriate yeah the the appropriate sphere yeah definitely yeah something else that i wanted to to talk about a little bit um because i've mentioned several times i've used the word reconstruction reconstructionism Mm -hmm. um i don't know if i necessarily need to offer a definition so much as kind of explain what that means Mm -hmm. to those who Mm -hmm. might not be familiar with more of a polytheistic perspective um which is where i'm coming from so the idea of, of reconstructionism is the idea of using the knowledge, admittedly the kind of broken up bits and pieces of knowledge that we have about how the ancients interacted with their gods um, mm-hmm. in order to understand how we can interact with those gods. And uh, clearly I am not one of the people who believes that the gods don't necessarily speak to us or that the gods don't interact with us. Although there are people who believe that and who, you know, partake of, of religious practices and uh, work to keep like the Pax Deorum, the peace between um, humanity and the gods, but don't necessarily expect um, any response from the gods. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not one of those people. Clearly I talk about chilling with Thoth. I clearly <laughs> like expect or have come to expect because, you know, based off past experiences that the gods, you know, are going to be talking to us. But mm-hmm. I digress again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so reconstructionism is, is the idea of, in some contexts, it has to do with reconstructing entire rituals. Um, some people, um, this is especially common, more like in the heathen, like Norse kinds of traditions, reconstructing the culture surrounding um, surrounding the worship of particular gods. Mm-hmm. Um and sometimes it's even more about the culture than about the gods. So reconstructionism is a, is a broad term. Um, and for me, a lot of it has to do with, with really breaking out of that modern mindset. Like I was, like I mentioned before, breaking out of um, kind of, uh, I guess you could say programming or mm-hmm. kinds of thought processes that are built into us as, as modern humans by the kinds of the culture that we're in. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is invisible to us unless we are confronted or we confront ourselves with uh, concepts that are unfamiliar or that kind of jar us out of th- th- things that we thought were true without even really consciously thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so, uh, well, like one of those things that I w- was saying is like the the notion of of reciprocity and giving offerings. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I guess that's I like I said I grew up in Christianity. Uh, tithing is something that you do, giving ideally ten percent of your income to the church or, you know, to to charities. But you're not necessarily expecting it to have any actual effect other than the way that that money is spent. But the 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 ancients, at least in ancient Egypt, and I can really mostly speak um, from what I know based on research and reading that I've done about ancient Egypt. Um, the attitude is that it's um, that we give to the gods so that they can give to us. That um, 
not necessarily that those gods will die or shrivel up and leave or anything like that without our offerings, but that the offerings have a specific metaphysical meaning that they don't have in modern conceptions of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, notions of, of sacrifice, of um, um, as, as a method of offering, like those sorts of things are still kind of present. Um, people talk about sacrificing something, you know, like giving up things for Lent is kind mm-hmm. of a, like a modern socially acceptable sacrifice, but there are definitely polytheists who raise chickens and slaughter them for Odin, for Thor, for mm-hmm. whomever. And that can be kind of shocking to people. That can be kind of jarring, even, yeah. e- even to people who eat meat. Um, like the notion of, of, of killing an animal yourself, of slaughtering it. That's mm-hmm. So in addition to the, like, the metaphysical purpose that that serves, um, like doing those things that are kind of weird to us can also serve the function of getting us out of that mindset that we might be in without really realizing Mm -hmm. that we're in so then a question from there becomes how do you know what to do (laughs) like how do you Mm -hmm. like how do you know how to interact with the gods the way that the ancients did and i guess side note like interacting with the gods the way that the ancients did isn't always necessarily the goal um Mm -hmm. like slavery obviously was a thing that existed in in ancient egypt and ancient Europe and most of us probably regard that as something that's pretty ethically abhorrent Mm -hmm. and not a suitable part of a functioning balanced society Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. maybe we don't want to you know relate to the gods in the way of selling our children to the temple as temple servants to become priests when they become adults like no I'm not gonna do that to my non-existent currently non-existing kid whatever right but like so, so there are definitely ways that you you don't want to interact with the gods that the way the ancients did because we as moderns have ethical principles that we're not necessarily willing to step aside from just mm-hmm. because a god said so and that's fair that's valuable that's honorable to be able to stand beside the principles that that you have but at the same time understanding the principles of the ancients and reading the myths that they passed down that we may have, you know, reasonably accurate copies of in written form, um, understanding the kinds of worldviews and values that they had and trying to figure out how to deduce that from um, the kinds of ritual texts that we still might have, uh, the examples of rituals, the examples of myths, um, the ex- um, the relatively few examples that we have of, of individual prayers to gods mm-hmm. um, as opposed to like a temple religion, an individual mm-hmm. religion. I also, yeah, I also am kind of repeating myself because yeah. I'm trying to like, uh, whatever. Um, but we also want to take, we also want to take some of those texts that we have that we know have biases from a Christian narrative and being aware of that and then like dissecting that away and figuring out how okay well we know from this source that they did this and right now the person who wrote it down is calling it wicked and all this terrible stuff but they did that mm-hmm. <laughs> we know they did that I mean, what, what, how like, do we do it like like yeah. one of one of the more popular stories in the bible is mm-hmm. uh uh isaac mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. killing you know sacrificing his son mm-hmm. yeah i mean 
the story pans out just fine, <laughs> but he still slaughtered a lamb or a ram that was that was up there on the mountain. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I do see, you know, there are some people who would still do that in today's culture just fine because that's what they believe. Mm-hmm. But I personally wouldn't slaughter a ram. I mean, I wouldn't sacrifice one of my eyes to Odin. Yeah. That's fair. It's almost Yule. Aren't we going to slaughter nine of each animal? I, I would love to, but I don't have nine of each animal. Yeah, the nine alligators might get expensive. Yeah. However, the purses we could resell. <laughs> Sorry. You just have to find some leather workers somewhere. You can skin the alligators and then maybe you like... I have one. She's also a comedic. Oh, so. <laughs> oh interesting. Nice. Nice. Um, friends, no. Um, <laughs> like-minded souls. So, I mean, a, a lot of people who haven't really done like a, uh, uh offerings or whatnot, mm-hmm. um, e- even some simple offerings such as, you know, a, a glass of wine or a glass of beer and or a glass a, of water, a, or a glass even. of water, bread. Mm-hmm. Here, here's something that I'd, I've, people have asked me and I kind of have, I have my answer for it, but I want to mm-hmm. see where you're coming. Mm-hmm. What do you do with the offerings? After you're done offering. Ah, important Ooh. question. Mm-hmm. In cometicism, we eat them. We, we, it's the, the word for that that's commonly used is the reversion of offerings. We revert them. We take them back. We give them to the gods and then the gods give them back. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the, like, that is the, um, like that physical symbol of the metaphysical process mm-hmm. that we undergo as, as devotees and as people honoring the gods. Okay. Um, I don't do that for um, other non-comedic deities that I work with. Uh, like I said, I'm currently apprenticed to um, a Northern tradition shaman. So in Northern tradition, like if I am doing ancestor work and I offer a bowl of something or another to, to Hela, the goddess of death in the Norse tradition, I'm not going to eat that shit. She doesn't want me to eat that. Like she mm-hmm. wants me to sit it, like set it down and let it rot. Like that's what you do. So there, are, that's another example of like, you have to figure out how to like what the what the gods are going to want mm-hmm. and what's appropriate within the metaphysics that they're working in and the paradigm that the gods are working from mm-hmm. um, in order to be able to do the quote unquote right thing. Not that okay. there is a right thing, but there are there are better things and worse things. Right. And if you can't find it in texts, you have to develop that relationship and say, how, what do you want? How do you want Definitely. it? Definitely. And then you have to learn how to listen. Yes. Yeah. And that's it's that's. It's, totally it's its own question of like how do you listen how do you know what the gods want and one way that i think is probably underused in a lot of um of like modern pagans trying to understand how to work with gods is is divination Mm -hmm. the ancients generously used divination um in terms of like is this an appropriate sacrifice to do on this day for this purpose oh no well uh what else should I do? Is it okay if I do this? No. Um, is it okay if I do that? Yes. Okay, great. How do I go about doing this? Um, and so divination obviously is its own skill that has to be developed. I think mm-hmm. it's an extremely useful skill for someone who um, is is doing work as opposed to just merely worshiping or honoring um, um, deities. And um, if you don't have that skill or if you're not confident that you're able to you know, get an appropriate answer that's not too colored by your own opinion, you can definitely always ask other people. 
um, other people, especially those who regularly work with those deities, mm-hmm. who um, have some sort of through line to the at least the pantheon that you're working with, if not the specific deity that you're working with, because, you know, different pantheons of different kinds of divination that they mm-hmm. prefer to talk to you through which like i said is why i use pendulum with the comedic gods but why um if you're working with like the norse gods you're probably going to use runes mm-hmm. um and so yeah being able to listen um but also being able to use the tools that our ancestors have given us in the forms of specific ritual technologies and divinatory technologies um that especially ones that are culturally appropriate to the gods that you're trying to get answers from. Mm-hmm. Nice. I like that. And just to, one more thing to add on that. Um, <laughs> something kind of a, a kind of pet peeve of mine. Um, I hang out in a lot of like Facebook groups for Egyptian pagans, which sometimes is infuriating because I like vastly disagree with like the other people in this group. But sometimes I'm like, oh, I feel like it can be a little helpful by telling people what I know. Um, but uh, one of my pet peeves in these kinds of groups is when people talk about, is it okay to do this? Is it okay to do that? Can I work with both Zeus and Isis? Is it okay if I give a god chocolate, even though chocolate didn't exist in ancient Egypt? Try it and see. Yeah. They'll let you know if they really don't like it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I promise you, if they care enough, they will let you know. <laughs> right. Um, and that sometimes that can be, um, sometimes that can be like psychic knowledge, like clairsentient empathic knowledge. Um, sometimes it can be like your candle suddenly goes out. Sometimes it can be like the rock that you put on the table just rolls off. Like, and sometimes it's more just like a, a sense of like foreboding of like, mm-hmm. oh, dang, I, I, I should not have done that. Yeah, like a, like a gut feeling. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I a lot of working with spirits and, and relating to spirits and understanding spirits, it has to do with being able to trust those those gut feelings and that intuition. Mm-hmm. And as moderns, we're not really trained to do that. Um, at least, you know, speaking for myself, I grew up with a lot of exposure to like science skeptical kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I was definitely taught that like your intuition don't know shit. Like you logic things out, you reason things out. And that's mm-hmm. kind of, in a lot of parts of the United States at least, that's held up as like, the the goal for how to do things is logically Occam's razor like you don't flip a consecrated coin for a yes no answer you don't like that's not something that's really done um in American society uh, at large at least um and so that's another part honestly of of being able to kind of tap into the ancient mindset is to be able to to listen to yourself, to listen to those nonverbal communications that you're getting from the spirits that you're working with. Right. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I think that's that's some pretty good insight. Yeah. So if you have any more questions you want us to bring her back, talk yeah. some more, go ahead and <laughs> let us know. Um, right now, our event's going on in the world. Mercury is in retrograde until December 7th. I am feeling that already. However, Venus is finally out of retrograde. Yeah. So, little good. I know that, Not like, that. kicked me in the ass this time around. <laughs> really? Things are better now, but yeah. I, I certainly had some upheavals and some, like, close relationships that like you know like mercury retrograde or venus retrograde shed a lot of light on Mm -hmm. um 
And, you know, like everyone's always seems to be like, oh, no, Mercury retrograde. Oh, no, retrogrades. But if you know how to use them, if you know how to ride the backwards wave, mm. um, doesn't necessarily pull you under. Yeah, yep. I think Venus had um, showed me a lot of uh, what kind of relationships I can lean on and what kind of relationships I can't. Um, made me take yeah. a pause a little longer. Um, Hanukkah begins on sunset December 2nd. And as a quick reminder to everyone, we are, as Millennial Pagan Podcast, going dark for December. In December, we will have one Patreon mini-sode that will be a normal 30-minute and one Yule present that will be specifically a blooper reel mm -hmm. that will be as long as Jarrah wants to make it. Um, now, and now j just remember with that, with that blooper reel... There probably is not going to be a lot of context to it. So yeah, it's just going to be random bloops. Yeah, random random stuff that we've kind of uh, run into and all that all that fun stuff. Miscommunications, weird face noises. Yeah, um, but uh, as uh, I know, Autumn and I were talking. If you guys are not on our Patreon, um, but you still want to be able to get this blooper reel, we're going to see maybe a uh, if for a small donation, uh, mm. possibly getting it to you in a different way we're going to figure out how to do that but keep your ears open and your eyes open to our uh, to our pages yeah you should sign up for our lovely hosts patreon because they're <laughs> wonderful people doing wonderful things oh thank, thank you. you but hey segue yeah we actually have a lot of people to thank this episode yes uh since we didn't have an episode or uh, a full-length episode that we got to thank people on for the beginning of this month our mid episode is like Whoa. So we want to thank Laura, Andrea. We want to thank you for upping. Uh, Mackenzie, B, you also upped yours to a $5 a month. Susie and RP. So thank you all of you amazing people for either starting to donate or donating even more to us. Um, as a reminder, a $5 a month gives you not only that thank you that we just gave out, but also a sticker and a button sent to you to your address. And, and of course, a uh, about 30-minute uh mini-sode, monthly mini-sode, mini mini yep. something exclusive just for Patreon uh, Don't. Uh, Five dollars, yeah, and then our one dollar month. Of course, you get the the lovely thank you at the end, and a thank you in your inbox. Yeah. If you're looking for our podcast on social media to keep in tune to see how you're going to be able to listen to that blooper, you want to look on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and of course Patreon. Yes. So where can we find you? Hmm, I don't have like a blog or anything. I'm mm -hmm. not that cool. Um, That's okay. I yell <laughs> into the internet void on Twitter. I mostly talk about religious stuff, some spiritual stuff. I can be kind of an astrology geek. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Augeret. So at A-W-D-J-E-R-E-T. To like go back and make sure I spelled that right. A W D J E R E T. That's me. Yay. And we'll have that in the show notes. Yes. Jera. And of course, you can find me on Twitter uh, mm -hmm. under Jera Stone, J E R A S T O N E. And of course, my Instagram for my cosplay and fun stuff where you get to see my lovely face. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's a face noise for the bloopers. <laughs> uh, of course, that is Haggard Hagrid cosplay haggard underscore haggard underscore cosplay yay 
And where can we find you, Autumn? Oh, um, Facebook at Autumn Wolf. Wolf ends with an E. Uh, Twitter, same. Um, there might be an iron in there somewhere. <laughs> and um, Instagram. I run our Instagram. So if you need me through Instagram, that's, <laughs> that it's Millennial Pagan Podcast or Pagan Pod. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll WordPress at an Iron Wolf Circle. Awesome. And don't forget, if you want to email the show, we do have a brand new email, which is peganpod at millennialpegan.life. Ooh, fancy. And eventually our Facebook, I'm sorry, not our Facebook, our website will be millennialpegan.life as well. Nice. So little, little uh, see into the future there. Yeah. So December, you'll see a lot of changes happening between me and Jara and the pod itself. We'll be adding another, not cast member, but another member of our family tree that mm-hmm. will help us out. And you'll be seeing a lot of changes, some really great stuff. Our first episode in January will have a lot to do with um, this big guy uh, with a goat head that people really are interested in. Uh, but Balf. Yeah, I think we're going to talk about him. Okay. And some stuff that goes on with his worship and stuff. Awesome. And other sections of that. Awesome. So from all of us here at Millennial Pagan Podcast, Merry Meet. Merry Part. And and Merry Meet meet again. again.